0: what God does through you. We are in the last message of our sermon series, Motives Matter. And throughout this time, we've been defining motive as an underlying reason driving your action, and that God cares about motives. Now, we've been spending some time in the book of James. We've actually been in James throughout the year here, but the passage we've been using in this sermon series is James 4, 1 to 3. James writes, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. See, God loved these believers, but as they're asking for God's blessing, he's saying no because they're asking with the wrong motives. They're only out for their own pleasures. All of us, to some degree or another, are out for our own pleasures. It's true of me, it's true of you. Last week, we talked about how it's true of the next generation, and it's true of past generations. But beyond our own pleasure, we have a lot of motives in our life, a lot of motives at work in all the decisions that we make. Yesterday, I got gas at the gas station. I went to Costco because I knew that Costco would have cheaper fuel for my automobile than I could get elsewhere. I, my motive was to save some money. We have motives in the relationships that we that we have, whether friends or dating relationships, spouses. I feel happier when I'm with them. We have motivations for the jobs that we work. Some of us are wanting to make a difference or invest the the uh, skills and talents and passions that we have into something. There, some of us are just looking for a paycheck. That's good. That's a motive. So let's have, we have motives for the places we worship. Right? I want to learn or I want to be connected with people or with God. I want a place where I can serve and use my gifts. We even have motivations for what cereal box we choose. Yeah. Lucky Charms, anyone? Yes, sir. I want my cereal to taste good. Now the thing is, we've got a complexity of motives that are constantly swirling within us. And even in the cereal aisle, I'm looking at this like huge aisle of more cereals than any person needs, and I'm saying I want the one that tastes good, but I also want the one that's healthy, but ideally still has marshmallows, <laughs> but really that's healthy, and I want it to have the most whole wheat possible. Let's check the side, and how about protein? But I want it to be gluten-free. I want a big enough box to last my family a minute. But it can't be too big or else you get the bottom that's just stale. I don't want that. Nobody likes that. There's all these motives that are going into a decision. And and here's the thing. Not all the decisions you have in life are cereal box decisions. The bigger the decisions you have, the more motives are going on underneath. And the more significant the motive, the more significant the implications. You think about it. You can be self-indulgent or you can choose sacrifice and surrender You can be proud, or you can choose humility. You can be judgmental, or you can choose grace. You can be quarrelsome with other people, and just kind of a mean person. Or you can choose peace. We live life with a hierarchy of motives within us, and unintentional hierarchies will lead to motives that really lead to love of me. Right, they lead to things that are all about selfishness or pride. It's about what brings me pleasure. What God's calling us to is a hierarchy that's rooted in love for others and ultimately a love for him. So our big idea today, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to. They're in your service guide there or online. You can find them on our website as well. But our big idea for today is to choose selfless love as your highest motive. Choose selfless love as your highest motive. Love is the premier calling for everyone who would want to follow Christ. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, These three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these are love. And Paul goes so far as to say in that chapter that nothing else really matters. Right? If you get love right, you win. If you get love wrong, you lose. Love is all that will remain and all that really matters. And more than a feeling, which it is a feeling, love becomes a choice that we make every day and a choice to make that our highest priority. So with that in mind, I've got two thoughts for you today. The first thought is this, that motives must lead to motion. Motives must lead to motion. We've been in this series now for a month. We've been talking about out of the book of James. And James, at its core, one theme you'll see throughout the book is that it's about faith and works, not work and works and faith. The motion and the motive have to go together. We can't have one without the other. Listen to what he writes in James 2:17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. But the flip side is also true. Right? Works by themselves aren't enough. Because unless they're founded by faith, They're empty, and they're eternally meaningless. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Right, there can be an effectiveness, a fruitfulness from your life. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Not something, not a little bit. Maybe you can get by for a little while. But you can do nothing. See, a life of motives and motion is a lot more challenging than a life of motives or motion, right? It's easier to live with, with just one or the other, but the calling of Scripture is to live with the both and here. Let me bring this to life. It would be a lot easier if I could just feel like I love my wife without having to show that. That gets me into trouble. Or it'd be a lot easier if I could just show it without having to feel it. That also gets me into trouble. It's the pairing of that that what I feel and what I do, why I do it and what I do, the motive and the motion. It'd be a lot easier if I could just go to a job and not care about how I do my job or why I do my job. If I could just go through the motions and check the box and the quality of what I bring didn't matter, it would be easier. But again, the calling is to bring those together. It would be a lot easier if I could tithe than not be a cheerful giver. Yeah. Or if I just felt really generous, but I never actually gave anything. <laughs> but I felt good about it. <laughs> God knows my heart. Yeah. Oh. Calling back another sermon there. Right, James is clear that his calling is to, not to the either or, but to the both and. And let me just say, we have an enemy that's perfectly okay with the either or. But God's way is better and calls us to the both and. Now what empowers you to pair the motives and pair the motion together without getting exhausted in the process is one thing. And that's love. Now the only place we need to look to see this is, is young love. It is on display. Let me tell you, when, uh, when Lindsay and I were dating, she was going on a multi-month mission trip to Singapore, other side of the world. When I, got, when I found this out, I got this like newfangled digital voice recorder, and I spent hours reading books of the Bible and sharing notes with her and, and talking to her so she could hear my voice while we were away. <laughs> Aww. And while she was in Thailand during that trip, she bought a painting that an elephant had painted and brought it all the way around the, halfway around the world to give it to me. Aww. <laughs> she also got me a lighter. I'm still trying to figure that one out. But uh, when you think about this, you watch a young couple kind of in, in, where the love is blossoming and you know, have you seen the, some of the invitations to, to homecoming dances or proms? They're as big as proposals. The creativity and energy and time, and you got to capture it on video because if it's not on social media, it doesn't really exist. If you've seen it, you know. We see that, and what drives that is that sense of love. There's no end I won't go when love is driving the show. But when love isn't driving the show, it can become exhausting. See, love motivates us in all kinds of ways. It motivates us to speak up when something needs to be said. Or sometimes to keep our mouth shut when we, something doesn't need to be said. I'm still learning that one at times. Love will motivate us to act up rather than act out. It motivates us to bless rather than to curse. It motivates us to build up rather than to tear down. See, motives alone are ineffective without love and they'll ultimately fail. But motion alone is exhausting without love. And it'll, often, it'll fail because we just get tired of doing those, going through the same motions without enough why underneath that. But when Christ-centered motives lead to Christ-centered motion, your motion then brings love to life. And that's the second thought for you today. Motion brings love to life. Right? There's a progression that happens when you choose love. Right, I choose love to be my, my driving motive of life, my highest motive. And all those hierarchy of things to say, I'm going to love. Well, that love, then if it's powerful enough, will lead to motion in my life. And as I go through motions, then it permeates my life with that love of others. Now, the world around us defines love a little differently than God does. All you have to do is spend some time reading through the scriptures to realize that. But the world defines love as a carnal satisfaction. That's found in another person often. Or sometimes just in, our, in ourself. But God defines love as doing what's best for another. Regardless of the cost. Right? God loved and gave his life for you. With that kind of love. And that kind of love in mind. Choosing love really means choosing Christ. And when we say to choose love as your highest motive. What we're really saying is to choose Christ as your highest motive. Follow me here. When you focus on love, you focus on God. And when you focus on God, you focus on love. Because God is love, First John tells us. And his love is, this isn't a distortion of love. It's not a perversion of love. This is a love that's pure and that's complete. Right? In love, he defines your identity. And he doesn't make mistakes. In love, he accepts you right where you are. Not affirming everything you do, not affirming everything that you say, but accepting you right where you are. And By the way, you have an enemy at work that accepts you right where you are and tells you all that you're not. Who accepts you right where you are and says it's okay to just stay there. But you also have a Savior who loves you right where you are and shares with you what you could be. See, the enemy is all about meeting you where you are, but also reminding you of the rearview mirror, of all the things you got in your back and in your past, of all those motives that aren't in place, or all the motion that's not in place, of all that you did without the right heart in mind because it was manipulative, or all that you thought that you should do but actually never took action on. And there's so much guilt and shame that goes along with that. But you also have a Savior who says, I'm going to meet you right where you are and accept you where you are. But I'm going to love you too much to leave you where you are. And I'm going to get your eyes through the windshield for a minute and, and cast some vision for what you could be if you're empowered by me. And I'm not going to leave you to walk that road alone, but I'm going to walk it with you. See, in love, he offers salvation, the free gift to everyone who would choose to open your hands and say, I receive that. In love, he offers an empowerment to live the life that he's called us to live through his spirit. In love, he offers purpose and mission. He offers hope and grace. He offers peace. He offers the gift of his spirit to continue to build up the body of Christ and to make a difference outside of these walls. And in love, he offers the fruit of the spirit so you could operate with a love and a joy and a peace and a patience that goes beyond what you have in your own strength. Paul puts it this way. We talk about making Christ our highest motivation. Paul says in Acts seventeen twenty eight. In him, we live and move and have our being. And that phrase, have our being, literally carries the connotation that if we didn't have him, life would fall apart. I'd be done. Nothing would work. Nothing would be okay without him. And today, how many people's lives are falling apart because they've chosen to reject him? Or because they've chosen not to find their purpose and our identity in him. So many people will remove themselves from God to chase pleasures of the world. The irony of it is that the greatest pleasures that are extended to you are extended to you in Christ. If you're created in God's image and made to live in the ways and the rhythms and the patterns that he tells us to live, then your greatest pleasure in life is going to come from living in relationship with him. And yet so often we leave that to walk in a different place. Stop chasing what's good in this world and missing what's best in Christ. Because when we find what's best in Christ, that's where life begins to transform. Now let me bring this home here. What this practically looks like. When I choose Christ as my highest priority, when I choose love as my highest priority, you could sum up what that looks like in actual everyday life in two ways. And that's to love God, and that's to love each other. It's that simple, and it's that difficult. Love God, love each other. This is part of our mission here. When we talk about loving God, Talk about loving Him with our heart and soul and mind and strength, making Him first and priority, bringing our heart and soul to worship, and, and where worship becomes not not a checkbox in your life or in your week, but something you really long to be here for, right? Something that energizes you, and something that reminds you that there's one greater than you in this world, who is for you, and who's here to strengthen you and empower you, who loves you like crazy. And wants what's best for you. Choosing to love him with your mind. That 21 day devotional coming up. I encourage you to be a part of that. Let me tell you, if you want to start early, it's okay. Let me tell you also, if you want to keep going after that 21 days, that's okay too. That rhythm of life that just says, I'm going to sharpen my mind. I'm going to do this with some other people too. What might God do as a group of people like this start reading the scripture all together at the same time and talking about it and praying through it? Who knows? Love God. If you don't know what this looks like, get with someone who does. You know, find someone who you look at and respect and say, hey, I respect this person and say, can I walk with you for a season? Maybe you can meet every other week for a span of time. But make this a pursuit of life. Love God. And then two, love others. And let me just say this: love for others ought to be what sets Christians apart from the world. The quality of our love. Jesus said it this way. He says, "Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples." And let me just say, the first thing that attracted me to this church was not the lights. It was not the music. It was not the quality of the communion cup believe it or not. We've got some good church coffee, but it wasn't even that. It was the caliber of the people who were here and the love that I saw among them, the grace I saw extended, and that's still true today. You know, last week we began talking about it in October, our student ministry is going to be joining us for worship on Sunday mornings. We're going to be having a more multi-generational experience in here. And you know, after the service, one gentleman, a little more seasoned in life than myself, pulled me aside, you know what he said? What if one of them sits in my seat? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but could he have, are there some churches where that would have been said? What if he takes my seat, what if they spill a cup of coffee? Like, we'll clean it up. No, what this gentleman said to me was, I am so glad we're doing this. And I can't wait to have the students more a part of our worship experience. I love that we have a church that's so passionate about the next generation that we're reaching them with the gospel. We have a love of guests here. We're willing to make room at the table, even if it means launching more services, even if it means changing service times, even if it means making a new building over on Mitchell Road. We're passionate about making room at the table because we believe that God is not done with what he's doing within this group, but also what he wants to do through us to bless Northwest Ohio and Tanzania and the ends of the earth. It's a place where we elevate love of friends, where we want friendships to deepen and connections be made so we are iron sharpening iron and growing closer to one another and closer to God, and that's leading to changing the world. Let me say this, one of the best places you can do this and experience this is within the context of one of our life groups. Now today is our life group launch, and in just a few moments here, we're going to end the sermon a little short this week. We believe in life groups so much that once a semester, we take intentional time to create time for you and space for you to go and see what life groups are available. In the gym, after the message here, if you have kids in the kids' wing, the request is leave them in the kids' wing. they got a great program there. And we, don't, we want them to get all that we have to offer back in the kids' wing, helping them to come to know and love Christ at a young age and follow him for a lifetime. But for you, in our gym, all of our life groups are represented. We have about 40 different life groups represented in there. And my invitation to you, if you're not a part of a life group, look at what's there. And consider being a part of one of those groups. If you are already in a life group, be a champion for the one you're in. And let me say, if you are a guest with us today, if this is the first time that you've been here, and you're thinking, joining a life group seems like diving in headfirst. I'm not so sure about this. Let me tell you, a decision to join something for a semester is not a decision to sign on with blood for the rest of your life. What it might do, though, is it might connect you meaningfully with others, and it might connect you meaningfully with God in a way that could really have a transformative impact in your life for better we're going to have that over there and our life groups very simply are just places where we are doing life together they're places where we're building friendships and relationships where we're serving together caring for one another we're learning about God together and at the end of the day we're asking one question and that's what's my next step in my spiritual life if we could boil down success in a life group to one thing it's what is my next step closer to God and all of our groups, whether, it's, whether they're playing pickleball or studying Ephesians, are asking that question, what does it look like to follow God more closely? I'm going to dismiss you there in just a couple moments here, but let me wrap up with this thought and wrap up our sermon series with this thought. What's motivating you most powerfully today? Think past the cereal box decisions of life for a minute. And think about what's underneath when you buy that car. When you spend time with that person. When you show up to work tomorrow or later today. When you choose that vacation. Whatever you're doing, whatever decision you're making, what's underneath that and what's motivating that? And let me give you one question to carry with you from here, from this sermon series. Carry this question with you. Is this action... Motivated by Christ. There's the surest way to know, how, am I making Christ the highest priority in my life? Is to ask that question before any decision that you're walking into, before any rhythm of life you go, is this action, is this decision motivated by Christ? One of my favorite prayers in the scripture is from David. In Psalm 139, he says, Lord, Search me, know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts, because they're there. Lord, see if there's any unrighteous way within me and lead me in your ways. Lead me in the ways everlasting. I know I've got a physical life to live here on earth and I know there's all kinds of motives that go on within me. But at the end of the day, I want my highest motive to be you. I want my highest motive to be love. And I want that to live out in my life I want it to live out in my relationships. I want to pair my motive and my motion today. And so, Lord, help me to know and help me to understand. Am I living it right today? Is Christ my motivation for what I'm doing? Let me ask prayer partners to come up here. And as we close our service, we're going to close with with a prayer. But my invitation to you, if there's something on your heart, something on your mind please come forward. We have folks that would love to pray with you over that. But then as you dismiss from here, take a breath. Take a moment. It's not a race to figure out who can get through the doors first. But enjoy a moment in here. Enjoy a moment in the lobby. Go check out our life groups in the gym. Again, if you have kids, let them finish their program there until 11. But take a moment to embrace community, to choose love, to choose Christ. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you. And I pray that as we walk from here, you'd help us to be cognizant, be aware of all the things that are going on within us. It's hard for us to understand sometimes all of those dynamics, but Lord, help us to discern if you are the driving motive of our lives. And today, regardless of what has been in the past, as we choose you and say, Lord, I want you to be the highest motive in my life pray as we do that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear the direction you'd have us go Lord, help us to be have the courage to look at our lives and look at the decisions we're making through that lens and as we do that lord i pray that you'd be glorified in us and through us and help us to find that the greatest pleasures we can possibly experience in life don't come from the stuff that are outside us but from the one who is in us when we receive you as lord and savior holy spirit fill us empower us, lead us, and guide us from this place. And Lord, we're excited to be back together again next week. I pray this in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great Sunday. Thanks for being here.